Greetings to all you freaks and fiends out there. It's that time once again for Phantasm Halloween. This year's special guest, Eerie Vaughn. <laughs> Listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Oh yeah, I was in uh, Sam Hain dancing. You had to look the other way, and, and, and uh, yeah, so that was awesome. Um, I wanted to uh, <clears throat> talk with you about uh, your painting and stuff. Are you still uh, are you still doing a lot of that? Or? Yeah, that's what I do mostly. Um, it's incredible. Um, I'm working on one right now that I'm that I like. It's you know taking my time with it because I, I got two other ones started. Like I got. Sometimes I get to a point where I go like, okay, now what am I doing with this? Right. You know, if it doesn't just come out like a song, you know, like a song comes right out, you're good. But if you got to like let it sit there and then you go back to it and you keep working on it, usually it's not as good. But uh, with painting, sometimes I can do extra detailed things and just take my time. And sure. This one totally whacked out, so I, I'm liking it. And then I get this other one or two sitting over here. That I'm kind of like now. What do I do with this? Because it doesn't seem finished, but maybe it is. Man, I tell you, the, some of the stuff you'll post online, I'm like, God, that's incredible. Like some of them are just, man, it's so cool, you know. Yeah, they're all pretty nuts. Yeah, man. So what got you started with that? Oh, I started like drawing when I was like five. Really? You know? So you've done yeah. it your whole life. That's incredible. Yeah, I've been doing it the whole time. Um, I just didn't like full-time paint till like 20 something years ago like 21 years ago that's incredible um, man yeah like to where i paint every day you know and sometimes i can paint like you know for hours at a time you know if i if if i'm left alone you know and i don't have anything else to do um so yeah i've been doing it the whole time i mostly you know drew, drew stuff i did a lot of portraits when i was a kid you know so because that was always a thing sure like you could tell you were getting better if you could draw something and it looked like the person you were trying to make it look like, you know? And like, I remember doing this Elvis thing and I was, I didn't have a lot of pictures to go by and I used to just look at pictures and draw them. And there was this one of him, you know, doing a face or whatever while he's singing. And I, my dad goes, yeah, it's really good, but I can't tell if it looks like him or not. Or he would say, yeah, it's good. It doesn't look like him though. You know, that kind of shit. So, That's... you know, were you, were you into comic books at all when you were growing up? Yeah, here and there. Not like, the, you know, the way some guys are or still are. Like I'm that. pretty bad, dude. I've got a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, you know, yeah, I used to buy comics. And then in, in the 80s, you know, I got interested again because of like the, they started doing graphic novels. Yeah. I, I like the book. I like when the uh, Black Spider-Man costume came out. Oh, the cosmic like suit's that. so cool. So, yeah, so so I, I started buying them and, and reading them again, but I was you know I was more into other stuff you know right. Um, so I didn't I still have all that shit. I just I don't I'm not actively collecting or 
or reading, you know. I was just curious with you drawing and stuff, because I had a friend, and that was like his whole thing was, man, I'm going to draw comics, and he was drawing when we were growing up. My buddy I was talking about earlier that I lost. And, yeah. man, he was so... And, like, and it's cool now, because like, I, I guess I kind of needed a hobby a few years ago, and I've gotten big back into doing it. And believe it or not... When you're dealing with like graded comics and stuff, man, you get into some money. Like I've got a pretty nice collection of graded Spider-Man stuff that's worth a lot of money. Um, yeah, I know. It's I've been also collecting for about the same amount of time. I started when I was like eight years old. So oh shit, I got I got like um, I'm going on uh, almost fifty years of collecting. So I so you've got some key books. Stuff. Yeah, I got some good stuff, and I also got lots of old cards that I used to go to the baseball card conventions and like, you know, buy, spend like, you know, $2 here, $5 here, <laughs> you know, you gotta save your money. Cause like right. a $10 card, that was a big deal. Oh you know? yeah, absolutely. So, um, I still have all that stuff. And me and my dad used to go, you know, he, I was totally into baseball cards and baseball and stuff. So I started doing that. And then, you know, I was always going around the neighborhood, going through the trash, picking up, like, old golf clubs and <laughs> old cool. radios and shit. <laughs> you know, anything that I thought was cool. And uh, he hated that. You know, like, my mom wasn't a collector either, but she has a small collection of things here and there. But my dad just was like, what do you want to go go to that junk store for? I'm like, stop junk, that's stuff. You know? <laughs> I got to get my stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's stuff, you know, it's a collection. I collected rocks. I collected everything you can think of. So I have a pretty varied collection still. I just don't actively collect because it costs money, you know. So I mostly oh, sell yeah, stuff for my collection. You can get into, I think the most expensive book I have, I've got Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1, and it's graded, and it's the first, it's the first appearance of Sinister Six. And then first appearance of uh, Doc Ock and first appearance of Craven the Hunter. Those are my three probably most expensive Spider-Man books I've got. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I'm happy to have them. I had a bunch years ago when I was living in Philly, and my roommate stole like all my books. I don't know what the hell he did with them because back then they were they were not you know nowhere near worth what the shit is now. I'm like it's unbelievable some of the stuff I had that I don't have now. If I had a graded copy, it's worth you know several thousand dollars if not more you know oh yeah well there was a big there was a big resurgence in like the middle late 80s and stuff and that went on for a good amount of time yep but a lot of that was the problem with a lot of that was um, people who had the money that weren't really into comics they were just looking at them as investments right were taking like a you know some number one and paying ten thousand dollars for it and then just putting it in a vault and leaving it there for 20 years or whatever and just by paying probably double what what the book was going for made all the prices go up so instantly there was a whole bunch of collectors that couldn't do it anymore yep. you know or whatever so when it becomes like a business and stuff that takes all the fun out of it you know it, it yeah I, the only the only great thing falling back on it for me man like it's like having a little bank account some of these books I've got if I ever had to get run if I needed a few thousand bucks oh, yeah. here or there you yeah know, no so. that's, that's totally cool that's your, it's your collection you can do whatever you want with right it. but it's like if you just go you know you're yeah um, it's not fun you, did, you, did, you know it's not um, it's not like something that some some old guy goes uh, what should I do some I need some small investments and the guy goes oh you should go with comic books right buy comic books that. This one's worth this much. You know, then it has nothing to do with being a collector. Correct. Just a businessman. 
know. And there's people, there's a guy that I've met, I don't know his name, I've ran into him a few times down here in Florida. There's a flea market that I go to regularly. And yeah. one of the guys there, I get a lot of like old vintage books off of him. Like, And this one guy, it's just, yeah, it's just a numbers game. Not the guy that I buy the stuff from, but he's got a customer, it's just a complete numbers game, you know. He's, he has no passion about it, but I mean, I mean, I guess he's making money off of it. I don't know, but it's it. I, I see what you, it, it is kind of. He's kind of just it's a. Kind of a drag. It know. is a drag. It is, yeah. It's just like me, you know. If you want to get a kid into collecting stuff, you know, so you go buy him like a couple of books that are worth something, and you're know, like, this is just I'm starting your collection. Whatever. <laughs> right. The kid's totally into it. You can buy books on the newsstand. You know, I mean, still, I can still remember buying comics for like 25 cents. Same, you know? yeah, same here. Um, so it's, it, it, yeah, collecting is a lot of fun, but I see, I see little kids with their parents, like when I go to antique stores or uh-huh. flea markets or whatever, fucking my whole life. And <laughs> I, I'll see some, I'll see some little kid and I almost want to go up to him and say, don't start, you know, like, don't do it. You know, go do something else. Don't start collecting stuff. You bring enough kids around those things. If your parents are into it, you're going to start collecting shit, and you're going to buy stuff, and it's going to be your whole life. You're going to be 60, 70, and have all this stuff, and go, what am I going to do with all this crap? Yep. You know? So, it, it, you know, yeah. It's it, the sickness. That's so funny. So sports-wise, uh, growing up, were you more baseball, football? Was it? No, I was too skinny to play football. I wanted to play football, but I played baseball nice. up until like freshman year of high school. So I started when I was like eight. Played like, I don't know, like seven years or whatever. Oh, wow. Little League, Babe Ruth League, that shit. And then when I got to high school, um, I, I, you know, I didn't have a good curveball. My fastball wasn't as fast as it was when I was 10. So, uh, you know, I, I started playing basketball all the time. And oh, that's that cool. And that my whole sport. You know, do you follow sports at all just as a fan now, or do you? Well, I don't really have much television. I have, you know, like I don't have regular TV. I just have like Hulu, Netflix, stuff like that. Oh, right on. So, I what I've been doing every once in a while, I go on YouTube and watch some game that I never saw. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I like. Uh, I still like watching, you know, basketball. Um, I like college basketball. So every March, I try to watch the uh, the tournament. Oh you know, yeah, March Madness. I, yeah, yeah. I would tell I would tell any woman that I was involved with. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you a couple things. During March, I watch a lot of college basketball, <laughs> and it's going to be like a month long. So I'm going to do that, and that's just the way it is. And you know, whatever. That's it. and then the other rule is like, you know, don't drink the last Coke in the fridge. You know? <laughs> so other than that, you know, that's great. But yeah, you know, I don't I don't like football. I never liked football. Okay. Um, I, I, but I, I watch some pro basketball, but it just it's just so out of control. Uh, college is more fun. Sure, know, like some of the, some of the guys still want to play, still want to win, you know. And it's just a whole different kind of game. You could be like a six five white guy and be like a tremendous college player, and you're never you're never going to hear this guy again after like they win they win the NCAA championship. You'll right, never hear this guy again, you know. So it's still fun to see all kinds of different um, styles of play and sure. stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, I had to fucking live through the uh, the Four Corners offense from, uh, what was it, North, was it North Carolina? I can't remember. Um, but 
before they put it in the clock. You know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So guys could guys could have a two two point lead and just run out the clock for like the last ten minutes of the game, right. and there was nothing wrong with it. There was no rules, no nothing, and it was just yeah. Dean Smith used to do that. I, I think he was going to I'm not sure. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. The Dane, yeah, yes. yeah. So, and, and also, they didn't have three point lines, you know, stuff like that. So, it's college is fun. Plus, they have the bands, they got the cheerleaders, all the crazy sure. people get they paint themselves and all that stuff. I like college basketball. You know, I I went to uh, Florida. I'm a was a Gator. I'm a Gators fan. Like I went, oh, yeah. man, and that's what got me into football. Like I, I'll never forget. Like I, I grew up. My uncle was really into hockey. Like I love hockey. I don't know why. Like I played hockey. I wasn't very good at. It. I was a goalie, but I played. If you can believe that, in Southern Florida in the early '90s and up until like early 2000s, I, I played. You know, got into in like beer league. I was goaltender. Was never that great. It was never going to the NHL. It was never going to happen. But it was fun, and I loved. It and I got hurt, but it's. But he got me when I went to school. It got me into the Gators. Like it's weird. Like and then I followed them, and then it got me into NFL. And then I, man, I tell you, I, I had a way too much fun playing uh, gambling on pro football years ago, <laughs> which is bad, you know. But it, I, I was never, I never played. And I never, I swore, especially growing up like in hockey with my uncle, like I would never get into football. My uncle was like, hey, you will one day. And I did. It's just funny. It just kind of fell in my lap. I don't know why I like it so much. I have no clue. Like, and I'll watch pro, watch college just to see who's coming to the pros. So right. it's so funny. That's, that's the opposite of, for me. <laughs> right. I don't, like, I don't like football, but I really hate college football. Okay. I, really, I, I would rather watch pro football. Yeah, I, I love pro. I love pro. I don't pro. understand why, but... I'm the same way. Like I, like I said, the only reason I watch college is just to see who's coming to the NFL, you know? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, if I had been a beefier kind of guy, I would have played football. But my dad didn't want me to get hurt because then I couldn't play baseball or basketball or right. whatever. So, you know, and I probably could have been like one of those skinny guys that's just fast, you know, in football. But, you know, so I was just like, nah, I'll take care of not break any bones was baseball where you grew up was that like the predominant sport when you were growing up was that the big thing like no it's everything was the big thing you know they there was like a lot of music and a lot of sports so like um if the football team was no good then you know people would still go but then they'd say oh well the basketball team supposed to be good and the baseball teams were always good we had a lot of good low die baseball um and so, yeah, everything was just, that's what, that's what everybody did. You played sports, you know? You know, that was just that. You rode your bicycle and you played sports and, and <laughs> tried to not get in trouble. Who were the big teams uh, where you're from when you were growing up? Uh, Mets and the Yankees were the big baseball teams. Oh, sure. Um, and the, the Knicks were never any good when I was growing up. Right. They, they had, their good times were already passed. Like I was, I was alive, but I was too young to remember them winning in like '69 or sure. whatever. Then in '72 they were good, and I I remember all the guys from then. Um, and then we had the Nets, and the Nets were only cool when Dr. J was on the team, right? Um, but yeah, it was always pretty weak. Um, and it was plus you could go see the, the Mets. My dad was a Dodger fan from Brooklyn, so oh, okay, like the Mets. Yeah, he 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 was he. Um, was born in Brooklyn, so awesome. um, he hated the Yankees. So therefore, <laughs> I hated the Yankees just because. 
and I loved it when they lost, you know. And my dad would only watch the Yankees if they were losing. Um, but, so you guys were big Mets guys then. Yeah, so we went to Shea Stadium all the time, and that was that was built the year I was born, so that was a big deal. The Beatles played there, stuff like that. It's so amazing. It was be- beautiful. It was great. You could get box seats for like four fifty. Oh wow! You know? So so you know, and the parking wasn't that bad. You know, it was, so my dad was just like, yeah, for like ten bucks or twenty bucks, we could go see a game and maybe get a hot dog or whatever or a program, and that was great. I loved doing that. I always brought my glove, you know, just in case, you know, foul ball. Came oh, sure, sure. Head, you know, so yeah, I loved the Mets, and, uh, you know, but the, yeah, I went to see the Yankees a few times, and my, where my dad worked, he worked at a Ford dealership, and uh, a lot of the players would come, you know, during the season, whatever it was, three months or six months or whatever they'd be in town, they needed a car when they were in, you know, sure. home games. Yeah. So, you know, like Yogi Berra would come and rent the car every year. Some of the Yankees would come. Wow. Uh, Mets guys, uh, guys from the Jets would come over. That's and awesome. They, they, they would do like a like a signing. They would have, you know, football players and basketball players come. And they would sit there at the dealership and do a signing, you know. It's incredible. Uh, cool. Yeah. And uh, the, the musicians would come in. Same, same thing. Anybody who was in town wanted to rent the car would go, would go over there so he, you know my dad got to meet a bunch of people he always come home with an autograph or something you know that's incredible that cool. yeah that was cool now um for, so Mets was baseball what about what about football was it Giants or Jets for you guys you and your dad oh, if, if you had to, I mean if there was yeah I'm trying to remember what we lean towards I don't think we liked either one okay I, it, was, it depended. There was a weird time. The Jets were always terrible. You know, and this was after uh, Joe Namath. So sure. he had that whole thing. So I remember that. You know, That's incredible. Five. But I think the Giants were always better. And then they had they built a new stadium for them. Right. And Which is funny. This, they built this stadium in my lifetime. It's come and gone already. That's, I thought <laughs> that was really weird. I'm like, wait, they, I mean, they already knocked that down. It's, it was... You know, we only showed up in like 1977 or something. That's wild. You know, yeah, and it's so they already built a new one. <laughs> it's like, nah, fuck that. You know, they build a new one. That's incredible. But, uh, yeah, and well, the, the Giant Stadium is like right. There's two couple of towns over. Like if you go to Backway, all of a sudden you and it was also a racetrack behind it. So really? You go, yeah, you could go back there, and it was the Meadowlands racetrack, and then the stadium was right there. So, like, and if you're on your way to, into New York, which was like 15 minutes away, you go right past the stadium and the arena where the, the, the Nets played, and that's where all the bands would play. They either play the arena or they play, if they were like the Rolling Stones or Pink Floyd, they played it, the stadium. So that stuff was like real close to my house, you know, like. That's incredible, man. Away. Yeah, so you could always go and just go in the parking lot and hang out and hear the whole concert, just pay for parking, you know, stuff like that. That's great. Did you now? Did you see a lot of stuff growing up, music wise? Did you go to a lot of shows or? No, I went to when I was, you know, a regular high school age. I went to more punk rock and hardcore shows. I didn't go to, uh, you know, big stadium shows or that kind of shit unless somebody, you know, said, "Hey, I got a ticket. You want to go?" Right. Because like the music I liked, all, all the stuff I liked was already gone. Like the Beatles, I like. They were they were gone. I could never see the Stones because you could never afford it, right? You know, um, I know kids in high school that went and saw the Stones in like seventy eight, 
or 82 right. or whatever, you know. But uh, no, I just went to a lot of club shows and stuff. But I, yeah, I did. I do remember going to see like Pink Floyd once because a friend of mine had an extra. I bet that was awesome. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but it was like you know inside a stadium. So you got to think about sixty, seventy thousand people. And then it doesn't, for Pink Floyd, it didn't really matter who was in the band, really, as long as it sounded good. Sure. It was all, it was all visual, you know? It was all, like, lights and movies and stuff, so it could have been anybody. Right. And um, so, you know, but, uh, yeah, the first concert I ever saw was at the Garden, um, Elton John, 1976. Wow, like, that's awesome. Yeah, I was 12. We sat in, a, like, the last row. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I bet that was a badass show. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, but, you know, what did I know? I mean, I was 12. The only stuff I'd ever seen was on television. Sure. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Plus, to go into New York when you're that young at nighttime, you know, my dad was terrified to go into the city, you know, because, you know, you could get mugged. You'd sure. Get, you know, murdered. Sure. So, you know, so they never wanted to do that. What, but, what uh, about Kiss? Did you ever go see Kiss or... Alice just, Cooper, just, just just in the make just in the makeup reunion show. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know if that was something you grew up watching, going to see them. No, right? no. Kiss was like, you know, I had a lot of friends who were into Kiss because we were that age. Like, sure. That's why I figured I'd ask you if that was a. Yeah, so we were the perfect age for them, and I drew a lot of album covers for kids when I was in school. You know, awesome. They're like, can you draw this? And I would sit there and study all and draw album covers. That's but, awesome. Um, no, I never really got into them. Um, and plus, that stuff was, it was like too, you know, to go see a show like a Kiss show at the Garden, I couldn't afford that. Expensive, you know? right? Yeah, I, I, it probably wasn't that much, but it seemed like it. And then how am I going to get to New York, you know, at that right. age? Right. You know? And then when I got to be an age where I could go into New York, none of my friends wanted to see shit like that. Right. You know, for like punk rock stuff, you know? See, I think that's cool. It's 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 got to be a different perspective on it, you know, where... You know, and that's why I was I was just curious. Like I know Blister Cults from New York. I didn't know if you ever got to go see them or like some of the uh that's right, that's why I brought up Kiss. I know I mean popular everywhere, but I know that was like a New York at least I think BOC's oh, yeah, New Kiss York. So definitely was uh, was a New York band, you know. So yeah, but I you BOC, know, did you ever go see them? Not your thing or just never No. Right. No, I, I didn't even know who they were. Oh, okay, I right on. Got, I only got exposure from like you know, at the time when I was a kid, I had AM radio, you know, transistor sure. radio. Sure. So you only heard what they wanted you to hear. You right, know? exactly. Um, it wasn't like, hey, here's this deep album cut we're going to play. <laughs> that didn't happen for like f- four or five years. And then I got like an FM radio. And then they would play like one whole side of Pink Floyd or whatever. Right. They'd play the Allman Brothers or the Grateful Dead or Springsteen. Sure. Nobody else was playing that shit. I was listening to like Three Dog Night and anything that was like on AM radio, the Jackson 5, you know. Right. Motown, Temptations, that kind of stuff. The, the Osmond Brothers. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Hor- what a horrible time that was. <laughs> so what got you into what got you into the... <laughs> that is funny. Oh no, no, it's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. You had to listen, but I, it's funny to you know reminisce. So there were that. Well, but what got you into the punk stuff as opposed to like if your friend uh, you saying like you're, you were drawing album covers, your buddy they're listening to Kiss. Uh, what what got you into like the punk and, and that kind of was was there something about that the attitude of it? My, my, my sister, she's uh, like four years older than me. Okay, so she was you know had a car, whatever. She was going to shows 
in Jersey, you know, at the clubs. Sure. She was going into the city with her friends. She was, we had a couple of great record stores. Even, see, even back then, which was, you know, I think about now was kind of cool, that you could go to these regular record stores, but they were, like, standalone, like, at the highway, like a Pizza Hut or something. Right, but right. It was, but it was a record, a whole, just a record store. That's amazing. Like something in the mall. So there was a bunch of those. And you could go... And you could get the Ramones, you could get the Clash, you know, stuff like that. And some of the new wavy underground shit, you could still get it instead, and, and without having to go into New York, which is what you mostly had to do. If you wanted to get underground punk rock stuff, stuff from England, you had to go into the city, you know. Right. And then you had to pay import price and stuff like that. So my sister used to go to this place, it was called Disco Mat, and you could get a new record for five forty nine. And an old, like a record from last year for like four ninety nine. Oh wow! So for like ten ten bucks, you could come home with two new records. They, and and my sister came home with like the Ramones, you know. She came home with the Clash, the Pistols. So I was like right there. I was like, yeah, this is cool. And she would like listen to you know. We our rooms were like only ten feet, twelve feet down the hall. Or right. Whatever. So I could hear what was going on, and she would come in and say, "Oh, you got to hear this. You got to hear that." And I'd go in and listen. And she wasn't there, then I'd, you know, steal her records and play them, you know, on my little rinky thing stereo, you know. So, yeah, she That's was awesome. a big influence. And then there was, uh, there was like two guys in high school that were into um, punk rock stuff and a lot of English stuff. And then Doyle, you know, from, you know, Jerry being in Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he started talking about it, too, because he was, he was always, like, dressing the part and, like, but in like seventh grade, he, you wouldn't even know. He was just, he looked like everybody else. You know, long sort of feathered hair, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, and, but by eighth grade, it was a little bit different. And all of a sudden, he's talking about the Sex Pistols and talking about his brother's band and things like that. And then, you know, overnight, he's like a punk rock guy. Right. So he, he, so he would tell me stuff. But mostly, then I had to just... You know, like he wasn't like saying, "Hey, you know, I, I made you a tape," or "Hey, you got to listen to this." You know, um, I had to get that from other sources. You know, like mostly my sister and these other two guys that I went to school with. You know, would say, "Oh, you should listen to this. I'll make you a tape." Right. You know? Or, or hey, this band's playing. You want to go into the city? So I'd be fourteen, fifteen at that time. So it'd be like, "Yeah, I can go in the city." Now, were you and Jerry in school together? No, Jerry graduated in seventy. Okay. I think we graduated in '82, so we, he was five years ahead of us. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Glenn was like three or four years ahead of Jerry. So, damn. Yeah. That's that's actually really cool. But all in the same, were we all in the same school? Though I mean, y'all didn't go to school together. But was it the same school? Was it in the same area? Well, was it like we went? See, Glenn went to the high school that was up on the hill, old timey kind of built in the '30s or whatever. Right. Um, that was the high school. By the time we we got they built a new high school and that's the one Jerry went to Glenn had already um, graduated and they turned the high school into the middle school so me and Doyle and all our buddies went to the the middle school it used to be the old high school and then we went to the new high school after that so we were all in the same neighborhood um, pretty much Um, Glenn was closer to my house than Jerry and Doyle was like they, they were across the highway you had to like actually cross the highway. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that was always a you know pain in the ass, but it cut out like a really long walk. Otherwise, right? You know. So, so. 
That's what we were all in the same neighborhood. We had a lot of the same teachers because, you know, back then teachers were teaching for like 25, 30 years. Yep. You know, you'd be like, oh, I had your sister. I hope you're as good a student as her. Oh, I hope you're you're not. uh, You're in for a disappointment, you know. That's that's great. Um, Now, with... Did, did you meet Did you meet Glenn first, or did you meet Jared? Did you meet all those guys at the same time, or Doyle? How did that work? Uh, Doyle and I used to eat lunch together in um, eighth grade. So we sat at lunch together face-to-face every day for like 40 minutes or a long lunch. Was. Wow. So that was time to, to goof off and like talk and, you know, just, you know, whatever. And then I don't know if we had any classes. I don't think so because I was in like a college course just because you either had choice of general course or college course. So you would just pretend you were going to go to college and take the college course. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, I wasn't going to go to college. Fuck that, you know. <laughs> and like, general course was more shop, shop classes, and I only wanted to do artistic shit. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not as the most, uh, you know, mechanically inclined person, so I was like, yeah, I'll cut my finger off or something. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know? Um, so, I don't know if we had any class. We had, like, gym together probably. Okay. And uh, it wasn't until high school that we had some classes together. And uh, we just, there was some sort of places in between uh, going you know, going to classes that you could hang out, little like hangout common area, they call it, I guess. And so we just goofed around all the time. If we had classes together, it was just, we, we were just fucking around making t shirts and stuff, you know. That's we great. In, we could bring in music and listen to it. That was pretty cool. So you and Doyle were closer in age then than than Jerry. Yeah, we're, we're, he's like a couple of months different than me. I think I'm you know, I think I'm older than he is. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I think he was born in like April. Yeah, right. I'm not really sure how it worked because like when you went to school, if your birthday was after the cutoff date or whatever, like you might start earlier than yeah. everybody else. Yeah. So I think I think I was like Everybody started at five. I was like four and a half or something. So it was a little weird. But yeah, I think he's like, he's only like three months younger or older than me. Oh, wow. Know. Yeah. That's cool. Well, then, so you met Jerry through Doyle then, probably. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I played basketball all the time. So I was always at the, at the park playing like after school, on the weekends, and in the summer I played like every day. So Jerry liked basketball. He, he, um, he was on the team in high school. Um, and he was on a football team. I don't remember him doing much in basketball, but he loved it. So he'd always be down there. Right. Um, or he'd show up, you know, Jerry make a big entrance, you know, and uh, go around and hug everybody on the court before he even picked up the ball, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so it was, Jerry was like, you know, real, uh, really used car salesman, you know. That's so, awesome. Hey, you know, hey, it's Jerry only. Hey, you know, <laughs> he's still the same. He's the same way. But yeah, so, so Jerry and I would play ball. And um, we would just, you know, and I knew Doyle. Doyle could, I remember seeing him try to play basketball a couple times. It was hysterical. I was like, did he throw the ball over the backboard? Or over the backboard? <laughs> it was just, it was the funniest thing. So, you know, he wasn't, yeah, I liked to play football because you could just like run and tackle somebody. It really wasn't that much involved. Right. And, oh, he, him and Jerry used to, Jerry was a quarterback and Doyle was like a freshman quarterback. And they could throw the ball like, they would stand like 60 yards apart and play catch, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. But I don't think he ever played that much. That's know? wild. I don't, yeah, I don't remember him playing that much in it because I used to take pictures and, you know, nobody wanted to shoot the freshman games, but, you know. 
So Nick, I got a couple pictures from high school. I might put in the book. I don't know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And now, I could find them. Yeah, that would be incredible. Now, as far as, like, did, did they, did the two of them introduce you to Glenn, or did you already know Glenn, or? Oh, no, it was, no, to the time I was going to go take pictures, he already knew Jerry and um, Doyle, and uh, I think I knew Kenny, I'm not sure, if they're the middle brother. Uh, yeah, I knew Kenny from high school, yeah, yeah, um, I'm trying to get the timeline. Yeah, Kenny was, um, was like, a senior when we were sophomores, so he was a real prick and a real ball buster. But he was always in our class, so I would have run into him a bunch of times. And he, <laughs> he gave me shit every chance he got, you know. That's just the way it was. And this but is yeah. J- Jerry and, and Doyle's brother? Yeah, Kenny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he was a sculptor, and he did this great monster stuff, and he was always working on some piece or whatever. So we were, you know, as friendly as you can get with somebody with, you know, his sense of humor. That's um, hilarious. So, yeah, no, I met Glenn because we went to do the pictures, you know. It's like, hey, we're going to take pictures, or, you, you know, you want to take pictures of Misfits? I said, sure. And he said, okay, we're going to do it Sunday. And I thought, you know, because it was like Friday, I thought they meant like next Sunday. Right. So I met him, him, you know, on that trip. Like, I, he was either in the, van, um, in the, in the Bronco already, or um, we stopped and got him. I can't remember. But, yeah, that's when I met him and uh, drummer Googie. So you were so you photographed the band like when they were just up and coming then. Well, they weren't up and coming. They, they were just they were already okay. They were oh, okay. Got you. So they were just yeah. yeah. No, they started in like seventy seven. So this would have been like nineteen eighty one. So you know, and they were only together till eighty three. So right. You know, I was like past the middle part, but they were they were put they hadn't put out Walk Among Us yet. Uh huh. Um, they had you know Three Hits from Hell hadn't come out yet. Halloween, you know, so there was there's still plenty of stuff to do. Um, Glenn, Glenn hadn't put out his Zuka Malin record yet, I don't think. You know, so a lot of shit happened from when I met them. That's incredible, um, man. And stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. I, you know, getting Walk Among Us, like, you know, when it came out or wasn't out yet, I don't remember, was fucking awesome, you know. And just fucking listen to it and go, oh, this is so great. So what was that like, like, when, were they, you know, this is obviously, I was like, a lot younger, I'm not, I mean, I'm in that time frame, I'm just younger, but like, when they were, because um, this is phenomenal to talk about this with you, so they, you were photographing them, and now, were they, in that area, were they really popular, now, were they touring a lot, or how was that, because I don't know a lot about the Misfits, as far well, as that. They, they didn't, um... The, the, the rap on the Misfits was like that they they only played on Halloween. Okay, so that was that was the deal. Like, see, but a lot of the people who were saying that had missed the the, the fact that they played at Max's um, a lot, or they played at CB's, or you know any other clubs, or they played out of town now and again. But um, you know, they they just didn't have opportunities to play a lot of times because at certain times there wasn't. Some clubs had closed and new ones hadn't opened. So there wasn't always a lot of places to play. That was part of the problem. So you had to go out of town and then working around all the guys in the band's schedules and if they could afford, you know, how are we going to get there? Sure. You know, stuff like that. So there's always a lot of bullshit involved. Um, like there wasn't always like, oh, we just have a van parked in the driveway. We could just hop in at any time. <laughs> right. You know? Right, so it was always like, okay, well, we got to buy a van or we got to rent the van if we want to go on tour. 
and then it's like you know so they didn't play that much by the time I I was involved you know but before that they played Max's Kansas City you know frequently and a couple of other clubs you know and some clubs in Jersey and stuff but um, they didn't really go on tour tour I don't think till like Doyle got in a band I remember them doing like a Midwest tour or something might have been a couple of weeks and then they did the Walk Among Us tour for like a month wow you know while we were still in school which like that's insane (laughs) yeah I'm like Doyle you suck man you're just going on tour for a month and you don't have to worry about it like yeah my mom wrote me a note you know whatever so yeah then he came back from the tour and it was all you know it was all different then you know but yeah, they, I didn't think they played that much. I mean, the first show I ever saw was them on Halloween, like 1980. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, the year before they... Now, did you started. photograph that when you, when you when that show that you'd went to on Halloween? or? No, I was going out with my sister and her friends for Halloween, so we were going to a couple of places. We went to some Jersey clubs, and I was dressed as the Invisible Man, so I couldn't see anything. <laughs> I put all over my head and stuff. And that way, because I was only like 15, I couldn't get into bars and shit. So since I was the Invisible Man, nobody could see me. So they, they couldn't <laughs> card me. And, um, and so but going into New York, they didn't give a shit. But no, I didn't bring the camera. For one, it was my dad's camera. And oh. I'm, not br- I'm not bringing it into New York and have it maybe get stolen. It was like a $300 camera. Oh, shit. So, so I didn't bring it. I didn't have my own. So... But there is, the funny thing is, there's a picture of me in the crowd at that show, and I've only seen it the last couple of years. I was like, holy shit, that's me. <laughs> Someone's got a picture of you as, as Invisible Man at the show. No, I had, by that time, I had taken all that off. But I was, see, I, I, had, I had borrowed my dad's fedora. It was like a black hat. Okay. And used to wear to work. And I put that on my head, so you, so like the invisible, you would, you would be able to see the hat. Right. Around sure. The sure. 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 So there's a picture of me with my fucking biker jacket and and his stupid fedora. <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of like a clash thing. You know. That's awesome. But, but yeah, I saw the picture and I'm saying, holy shit! I'm standing right there in the front. Nobody's like real. There was there wasn't stage diving a lot. You know, at that particular show. But um, yeah, it was just to go out for Halloween, and we went to a couple of clubs in Jersey, and then we wound up at Irving Plaza, and you know, see the Misfits was probably like eight bucks. You know, oh wow! Maybe ten. Misfits used to be able to get ten bucks because they were the Misfits, and they, just because they put on, you know, they put on a better show, and they were like, you know, back then everybody was like skinheads and hardcore sure. stuff, and they would just, you know, but the Misfits showed up, and it was like. You know, our version of like Kiss, like a big rock band. Sure, you know? sure. So, so they could get ten bucks, and then it'd be like four bands on the bill or five bands on the bill. So that was really awesome. Misfit shows were always like an event, you know. Now, after that show, did you did you photograph them uh, after that, like doing some shows, or did you? Yeah, I did. A, I did. A, they did another show. What are they did they did this. Like, I can't remember, like, the exact... Um, sure, it's no big deal, it's I cool. I shot them in another place on Houston Street called Chase Park. Okay. That was my first time. And I, like, went, like, the whole like the whole day, pretty much, and helped with, you know, carrying the coffins up the stairs and, you know, whatever other gear. Like, you know, I moved Jerry's bases around and stuff. When I wasn't taking pictures, because Glenn was just like, wait till the show, like, don't waste any film. Like, he didn't care about that <laughs> He didn't care about, like, see, all the stuff that everybody wants to see now, like, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. 
he didn't care about any of that. He's just like, don't waste your film. Don't waste your film. Like, so, and I, took, I took enough of that stuff. Um, and I'd be like, I got plenty of film. Don't worry about it. You know, and, and that show was funny because it's like, okay, you're there all day. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Nothing, people are coming in, you know, people from high school, you know, your old high school buddies, guys from the football team. Jerry was big on that, you know, <laughs> coming in. But there's nobody in the place, you know. There's like 25 people, and it's like, well, we can't go on for 25 people. So it's like one o'clock in the morning. Then you, you know you're waiting. It's like two o'clock in the morning. Stuff, and it's like, yeah, it's like okay, well, you know, we got to play eventually. So you know, but it got to be really late, and they went on, and I could do whatever I wanted because people were just standing there watching. There right. No, no slam dancing, no nothing. Stage wasn't high. And so I could run around, take all the pictures I wanted and stuff. And they did an Elvis song that night. It was great. That's amazing. Now, so their shows, they weren't like, if you went and saw another punk band around that time that you saw, Misfits, was were their shows ever dangerous? Were they like, were the, the crowds crazy? Was it just a different type of crazy? Or Well, the, yeah. See, like later on, like, if, well, at, at that time, even if you went to see like the Dead Kennedys, um, it was a fucking madhouse. <laughs> you know? um, I, I we went to see the Kennedys once in like oh, I can't remember. It was like 80, 81, 82. I can't remember exactly, but it was at the Paramount Theater in Brooklyn, the same place Sinatra used to play okay. in the forties. So that was pretty funny. That is funny. Um, it was like three thousand fucking punk rock skinhead, whatever hardcore kids, and we'd never seen a crowd that big because it shows in, like the Irving Plaza is like. Yeah, maybe a thousand people, but more like 800, 900. Right. And we saw the Bad Brains a couple of times in New York, but they weren't playing places that big, you know. Right. So this was out in Brooklyn. Um, 3,000 or more skinheads. We walked in the place and it was just like opening the oven door, you know, it was just like the energy and it was just amazing. And, it, and we just went, holy shit. <laughs> it's like this big fucking pit with like kids doing the circles stage diving and just going nuts it was like it was so great and we just went like I think we'll just stay back here where it's safe and watch you know same thing that happened with the bad brains and stuff you look down we go up into the balconies and stuff and look down uh-huh. it looked like a meat grinder <laughs> and so every once in a while yeah you'd go in you'd go on the floor for as long as you could take it or if you got hurt or anything but then after that you were just like oh, I'm just gonna watch the show you know and stuff so yeah it that's was, incredible that was you know like the Bad Brains were definitely one of the craziest and the Dead Kennedy show but we you know we got to see Minor Threat Minor Threat played before the Bad Brains at one show oh on shit and that was fucking amazing and then they played I think they headlined the Great Gildersleeves which is right like two doors down from CBGB's back then and they were doing shows so oh I remember all the guys, Rosemary's Babies, and like all my friends, we all went to the Minor Threat show, and we we spent the entire time stage diving and on the floor, and <laughs> and, and I barely remember it because that's just the way it was. When you you know my friend my friend Bruce said, "Hey, when you're when you're like in the pit, do you hear the music?" I was like, "I don't think so," <laughs> but he, but he goes, he goes but you know when it stops, right? And I'm like, "Yeah, I can tell when it stops," but. It was the coolest thing was everybody in the crowd. It was not a great big place. You'd say say like let's say four or five hundred people, right. maybe. 
everybody sang along with the band, which was fucking phenomenal. You know, you could just stand, you stand there and everybody was screaming all the words. That's awesome. It was so great. That's you know, incredible. So a, lot of, a lot of stuff like that. A lot of New York hardcore bands, but everybody came to New York. And then it was always Philadelphia um, and Boston. We used to go up to Boston once in a while. Misfits were big in Boston. They played the Channel, which was like the good hardcore place, like the good size. You know, Philly had the like the Love Hall, and you know, there was just there was a lot of good bands back then. You know, so it was fun. You could see five. New York bands, you know, or maybe one out of town band for like six dollars. That's insane. CBGB's had a hardcore matinee every Sunday for like four dollars. God, yeah, it was it was great. You just go and you get turned on some new stuff, and you might meet some new people and stuff. Especially us being from Jersey, like everybody from New York hates people from Jersey anyway. You know, so it's like you had to you had to go in, and then you had to like prove it on the dance floor and stuff, and say like. Yeah, I could take it here, you know, so that's going on too, you know. There's a lot of that stuff, you know. That's what, um, so, 82, 83, were you still doing stuff, like, with with them? Would you take pictures? Would you still go to the shows? Is that? Yeah. If yeah I, went, I, was, I, was, I was there until the end. Okay. Um, and. You know, a couple of times, like I went to Philly once. I was supposed to go to a Boston show, um, and that was the weekend that they filmed it, and they did like a video for like Brain Eaters. I think they did one for Skulls. Awesome. Uh, and I was supposed to go there, but my uncle died, so I didn't oh, go. Oh, sorry. And yeah, and that was it was a drag, you know. And um, they they did one show that I, I just forgot what. I think they forgot to pick me up. It was like a Halloween show somewhere. And I was going to shoot the band again because I'd already shot them a couple of times. Um, and nobody came to get me and I couldn't go. Oh, like, shit. Oh, I, was so, I was so bummed. Yeah, Doyle said the next day uh, when we were in school, like on Monday, I'm like, bro, how could you pick me up? He goes, I turned around to look at Glenn and I said, where's Yuri? <laughs> and Glenn said, I thought you were picking him up. <laughs> you know, so that's how it went. You know, and I was just like, you suck, man. I, I wanted to go, you know. Right. So, so, no, I was still doing, and I was, when they were putting the Walk Among Us uh, collage together uh, for their sleeve, in their sleeve, yeah, Doyle was like, God needs all the photos. I'm like, what do you mean all the photos? He's like, he needs whatever you got. We're putting the collage together or whatever. So I printed a whole bunch of pictures and just gave them stuff. And, um, and I can't remember what, you know, like they were, yeah, then they started working on Earth, Earth AD. And then Robo moved down there. And he stayed with Glenn, like, pretty much the whole time he was in the band. Right. Which was weird, because Glenn lived in, like, a basement apartment, and they had, like, one bed. Oh, and God. I, I, Robo must have slept on the floor, because, you know, I can't see him doing anything else. <laughs> and, um, so, um, yeah, then they, did, then they did that, and I shot him the last time in Jersey City, and they were playing all Earth AD type stuff. And... You know, uh, that was pretty much it. So that was gonna, oh yeah, I was putting, gonna put out Rosemary's Babies forty five. So Glenn was helping me with that, giving me all the phone numbers, mm-hmm. and we went to the. Um, he was gonna start using this new pressing plant, so we went. I drove him down there, and that's where I got to pick out my colored vinyl for my record and stuff, and look around at the pressing plant. That was cool. I bet. And then, like, we started talking more and hanging out more, going to the movies, going to the comic shops going into the city, going into the, the toy shops and bookstores and stuff. Sure. 
and just talking on the phone and my band was kind of falling apart and he wasn't he was telling me how you know he he's been writing some songs but he want to give them to the misfits and he had you you know was thinking about the band or doing something out you know outside or whatever so eventually he got to be where he was just like yeah you know um, we got this halloween show in detroit you know i'm gonna tell the guys i'm leaving the band you know and then when i come back i want to do the new band you know i'm like okay fine you know so he got back from the show he calls me I said, how to go? He goes, oh, it was a nightmare. It was a disaster. It was this, that, that. <laughs> you know, and he goes, so you want to do the new band? I'm like, sure. So he says, okay. You know, so we, we started rehearsing after that. So that was... That's, and that's, that, so people listen, that's Sam Hain is born. Yeah, yeah. That's so wild, man. And it was just yeah, like that. It wasn't a real long period of time. It was only, in, I only met him like in 1980, 81. I can't remember. It must have been 1980. And then, so by the end of '83, we were already starting a band. You know, so, that's wild. Yeah, so that's just the way it was. And I tell everybody that's like, yeah, if you were in Lodi and you could get the rehearsal, you'd be in the band too. You know, so it's like you had a car, you could drive. You, you know, you play drums, you're in the band. <laughs> it was, that's what people always ask. Well, how did you get the guys in the band? I'm like, if you had a car or you could make it the rehearsal every week or. Sometimes, like my band, we rehearsed every day. Right. You know, so, but the Misfits rehearsed a couple times a week, twice a week. I don't know. I can't remember. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, like, it was like, why did why was Steve in the band? I'm like, well, Steve had a car, Steve had his own drum set, and he could, he lived in Lodi. You know, <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, we need a drummer. I'll see my Steve, you know, same thing. You know? That's incredible. And then, so when y'all first started jamming, is that what eventually ended up as Intinium? Yeah, yeah. God, um, that's wild. He, he had some songs. He had some songs already written, and he had some songs he gave to the Misfits that he didn't told me he didn't want to give to the Misfits, but they were coming up short on Earth. They needed, needed like ten songs. I think they wound up with like nine songs. Right. I'm not sure. But he said, "Yeah, you know, I've got some stuff that he's already, he was already writing for another band, you know, in his head. So he had done like Blood Feast and Death Comes Ripping were supposed to be Sam Hain's song. Oh wow. Yeah, so that's why when we first started going on the road, we used to play those songs. Probably played them all the way, you know, the bands till the end. We played them. We didn't play Blood Feast that much, but we played Death Comes Ripping. And that's Glenn, amazing. I still want to go ahead and song, go to songs because that's what they opened the show with now, and that's when he was doing, <laughs> he was doing the songs with Doyle um, for all those years. Those, those are the same eight songs he always played Death Comes Ripping and whatever. And I was, I was talking to Doyle, I was like, so what, what are you doing? He goes, oh, it's the same eight songs, you know, every time. <laughs> you know, it's like years go by, and he's like, no, nah, he still wants to play the same songs, you know, you know that's it. That's... That would be way before the reunion or anything was even sure, sure. ever going to happen. But he's just like, yeah, so uh, I guess it's a song that he likes, because so, he's still playing it, you know. Well, you know, there's something incredible to me about Sam Hain. There's something, I think, because, I mean, you could argue there's people out there. I mean, I, I love it, man. Those records. Yeah, some, some people are big, big Sam Hain fans and are not crazy about everything else. Oh no, no, I, I love it all. But I'm, t- dude, I'm telling you, there is something so special about that band. Um, I, I really treasure the, those records, man. And then, so, so you all did. So, Intinium, then did you all do a lot of shows for that, or did you all once the record came out? Or and were you all? Another thing I wanted to ask too, to ask kind of two questions at once. 
were you all was that did that transition because he was in the Misfits to the same record label or how did that work back then? Oh, we didn't really have a record label; it was just Plan Nine. Y'all were just okay, so just Plan that right? Right. So uh, the Caroline deal came around around the same main time. I think after the first record, I think they picked it up. Okay. And started pressing it. I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to look at the records, and I don't have them right here. But um, yeah, uh, it's just it was just sort of a transition. It's pretty. It's just just think of like if the if Sam Hain wasn't even wasn't a band right. there'd be that period where you go from you you couldn't go from the Misfits to Danzig you know there had to be a period in the middle right right that, that had to had, had to evolve you know so it was an important part and it's it's interesting to look at all the bands as like as a body of work and it's like uh, you can see you see and hear the transition you can see how the lyrics evolve things like that so it's pretty cool like the whole story in general and as far as like the 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 cover of Intinium, was that was that you, Glenn? Did y'all just decide to do that? The, did y'all stand? Well, Glenn always wanted to do that with the Misfits, but he said that they didn't want to do it. He Too much. He wanted to, take, he wanted to take pictures and maybe do do a photo shoot like that, right? Um, and he just told me that he didn't want to do it. Maybe it was because they wouldn't look good. I don't know. Maybe we'll fuck up the devil locks. I don't know. So he he wanted to do it with us, and then um, just did it in his basement. I took the picture, you know. And it's I incredible, put man. Camera, I put the camera on a tripod, pressed, pressed put the timer on, <laughs> and just it took like you know it's a dozen. I don't know, not that many because because it's real messy and sticky. And you're just like yeah, that's enough. Glenn, Glenn was big for that. That's enough. We'll get one out of that, you know. And that first album, what year are we talking when you all were taking the pictures in that album? Oh uh, well, that record came out in '84, so okay. that, I think the whole thing happened at the same time. Except we, he had already booked a tour, um, like a regular, you know, mid going out to the Midwest kind of tour, which okay. would have taken a couple of weeks. And but the record wasn't out yet because he had like this timeline, um, and I think we were just like a month behind, like in where he thought we'd be at the time. So the record wasn't coming out for another month. So we, we went out and did shows and played to like nobody. <laughs> really. Yeah, it sucks. We played to like 20 people here. Oh. You know, 50 people. And nobody knew, you know, you put on the flyers, you know, ex-Misfit Glenn Dandy, but, you know, only the Misfit people knew who the Misfits were, really. Right. You know, there was, nobody knew. It was the same 100 or 200 people in every city that you went to, like, you know, the, the hardcore scene, the punk rock scene. The same people went to every show. So those people might go or they might not go. They never heard of this. They're like, you know, whatever. So, yeah, we played to a lot of no, nobody. And then, like, the next time, every, then, then we started playing a bigger crowd because then everybody was like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, the album's out, time. right. Yeah. And, yeah, so then it was fine after that. But, you know, we didn't play really big places. We played um, decent size. Um, in L.A., we played to, like, 2,000 people. Holy like, shit. Second, second record. And then we, when we we played the Ritz a couple times, which is always a great gig in New York. Oh, yeah. Like... That's like fifteen hundred to eighteen to two thousand maybe, because they had a balcony and shit. But the Misfits had played there, and that's just that was a really good New York gig. So I always loved playing there. And I, I'm not sure if Danzig, or, yeah, Danzig played. We played the New Ridge, which was the old Studio Fifty Four. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know if we played the old one, but Sam Hain got to play it. And I used to, I saw a lot of shows there, so I was very comfortable in that place. So I was, I really liked playing there, but. 
Yeah, it was, you know, it was the same thing. You'd go to Pittsburgh and you'd play to like a couple hundred people. You know, it's just, that was the scene you were in, you know. So it, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, Sam Hain was selling way more records than the Misfits ever did at that particular time. We sure. Like 30, 40,000 copies for an independent. That was really good. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's, that's, by that time, then, you know, that's when the labels, major labels, if you're selling 50,000 copies, they start paying attention to you because that, you start making money. Sure. You know? So then they can go, oh, I bet you I could sell 250,000 on these guys, then that would be good money. You know? So that's when all that started to happen. So the first album, 84, you guys do the tour. Album's not out yet. Not the greatest crowds. Then the album drops. It's it's going great. Um, and I just want to tell you, just so just let's just stay in eighty four for a second. Just imagine me in Florida. Okay, by eighty seven, when I found out who Sam Hain was, it was stuff of legends, my friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, people look. It's like also being like because all these people never seen them or never got a chance or whatever when they when they broke up that's what happens to every band it's like you know all of a sudden you hear all these stories you buy these records and stuff and you're like oh i never got to see them and then right. you know, it's become a big deal you know well it was wild because like like my first dancing show first album i want to stay with sam Hain a second if that's cool but i just want to tell you this real quick i couldn't believe it i was so nervous i'm like i'm gonna get to see you know, some of Sam Hain did not. This is, and, and, and then of course, Glenn Misfits, and then, you know, you because of Sam Hain, and then both of you together because of Sam Hain. So, I mean, I'm talking by that point, which was like 88, if I'm not mistaken, I was a nervous wreck. I was like, I can't believe, I mean, we're talking, I mean, to my friends, which I know a bunch of like seventh and eighth graders, it's like, it was stuff of legends to me then. That's cool. So, you know, that's, it, it, I just can't tell you how cool that is, but. So, um, Antinium's out. You got you. It, it's physically out. People are listening to it. You guys are touring, and then you guys go back. And then, how did November coming fire? How did that? How did that happen? Like from well, we, we we did the um, only passion record in between there. Oh right, right. Let's talk about that too, if you don't care. Yeah. So that was just an EP. So it was only like five songs, and I think it was just the, the type of mood Glenn was in, the kind of music he was listening to. Sure. And he wanted more tribal, more like, you know, even more underground and stuff, and just wanted to put that out as a statement rather than doing a whole record like that. I don't, I never got around to saying, well, why didn't we just do a whole album? Because it costs the same amount of money sure. to press a 12 inch, no matter how many songs are on it. Right. And I never really asked him, but now when I think about it, when people ask me about it, I was like, yeah, I think that's just, he wanted to say that, he wanted to get those songs out of his head and then move on because the the uh, November record is more like more accessible and more like the songs are more pop, like polished if you know not even but you know what I mean I do comparison, yeah absolutely more, more accessible I think definitely more song like not so much um, emotion and stuff like on records and just like you know trying to get your your vibe across which is real hard and vinyl you know <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he always did that. And you can see the same thing with the dancing records and the records he's made since I left the band and stuff. It's always like a, a, a successful record and then back on the ground. 
and then this one sells a little bit, and then he goes back this way, you know. So it's never it's never the same way. So that's what was happening on, on Holy Passion. We went on tour for that, but the tours weren't long. They'd be like a month would be a long tour for us, okay? Because all the, everybody else usually had jobs. I I worked at a hardware store. Oh wow! But I could I could get I could go to my boss and say, hey, I got to go on the road. I'll be back in a month, and he'd be okay. Go ahead. Now you you know. Your job will be here when you get back. But everybody else couldn't always do that. Right. Or they didn't have a job and he needed this to make money, to pay rent right. and stuff. So you didn't do like a lot of tours because we had to rent the vehicle or had to buy one. Right. And then that money all came off the top. So then we did, did we do like a two-week thing after that. Or maybe do a week and just do the East Coast or maybe go as far as like Pittsburgh, which was like 10 hours away. Oh, wow. If we could have just went on the road and did nothing, like you know, like Black Flag, just played all the time, right? And just you just got in a van and booked tour and booked shows as you were on the road, you know, because Glenn booked all the shows before we left, you know, and we might be able to pick something up, but it wasn't you couldn't promote it good enough that anybody would show up, like you know, you could you could tell people you're playing on Friday and uh, you know. His word wouldn't get around till you were already gone, you know. Right. So it was it was difficult. We, you know, even in the biggest campaign was we were still playing some small places, and small shows. Right. But we had the luxury of saying, "No, we're not playing here," and just leaving. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we show up to a gig and guns like this guy told me it was this, it was that, it was this thing. Fuck this shit. We're not playing here. I'm like, okay, fine. Y'all just take here. off. Yeah. Now, so, what you know, year? It, what year touring was? Is that? Would that have been well, we, for November? Like, because you said eighty four no, for November intended. was like eighty six. The whole the whole thing was eighty four, eighty five, and eighty six. And then you know after the November thing was done, then we started doing demos for the next record. So that was going into eighty seven. So yeah, we just toured in eighty six for November and played the Ritz a couple times. We didn't have to. We could just you know it's just across the sure across the river sure. So, but we didn't like I said we didn't do big tours like you know we'd go down to Philadelphia do a show go up to Boston do a show if we did a whole tour like we went out to LA can't remember what we played there but at that time would have been somewhere good I know we played the Roxy once oh shit that was that was yeah but that was just a, that's just a club it's like just because it's on the strip it's a big deal to play there but it's not a big place it's like a big strip club that's the kind of vibe it had you know so it was like, you know, lots of brass and um, velvet and stuff you know? yeah I got to go yeah. in there about 20 years ago and I was like this isn't what I thought this was going to be <laughs> no but it was a prestigious gig it's just like playing the whiskey like when sure sure Absol- oh no absolutely it, absolutely yeah it's still a thing but it's it's a shithole you know <laughs> The stage, the stage of the whiskey is super small. Yep. And, you know, and they have so many rules. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, like, you know, you can't have anybody on your list. You know, it's just it's total bullshit. It's probably exactly the same. Probably. As it was then. Yeah. It was a nightmare. So, But it was a big, you know, like, you get your name in the paper or a little review. Somebody would go down. And the club had a standing, you know, ad in the paper every week. So your name would be in the paper. That was a good prestigious gig but most of, most of the stuff it wasn't like a place like the Ritz um, it, there was a lot of holes rented and stuff you know got the guys would be 
you know, 20 year old kids that wanted to see your band. So they would put up $250 and rent out the moose hall or whatever and say, Oh yeah. Okay. You know, we got, we got a, there's a stage, we got a PA coming and we got, you know, maybe some lights. Usually there wasn't any lights. Um, so that would be it. Some guy would say, well, Clement, well, how much can you give us? Say, well, we usually get like two, 300 kids. We can charge this much. I can guarantee you $1,000 or something, $800. And go and say, okay, we'll be there. And, you know, that would be it. We'd get like hundreds of kids at this rented place. There was usually no alcohol. Um, and we'd make our money and go on to the next gig, you know. So when you guys would go West Coast, was it just California, or did y'all hit shit on the way, like Arizona and no, shit like you, that? No, you have to you have to drive out there. So okay, you played, all, you played all along the way. Usually we'd go in one direction. You know, maybe we'd start up like north, start at Pittsburgh, and go straight across. Go to Chicago, go to Detroit, go to Cleveland, um, and then whatever. Like after that, there's like over Phoenix, you know. Uh, uh, Colorado, Seattle. Right. We didn't play a lot of those places because if the Misfits hadn't already been there, it was like Glenn didn't really have any connections. Like you, right, like, right. Was, you, you know, like your tour was only as good as the next phone call you could make. You know? <laughs> right. And and also, like, if you had a guy, um, you would say, hey, do you know, you got any numbers for somebody in, in you know, Seattle? We've never been there. And this guy said, oh, let me make a couple calls and I'll call you back. So if you had a connection, then you could work your way that way. But then you'd go to L.A. and you could maybe book a club. Right. Because um, they mostly had just clubs there. There wasn't a lot of the rental gigs going on. Um, and that was hard because there was a million bands and there was only certain places would would let, you know, that kind of music be played. And a lot of the big, bigger clubs are like, nah, you know, they'll, they'll come in, the place will get wrecked, you know, no, we won't get a big enough crowd, you know. So Right. It was pretty rare that you played anybody, any place like that was a name club, unless unless it was catering to like that kind of music, punk rock and stuff. Right. And then it was like a regular. There was certain promoters like Tovar, Golden Voice, stuff like that. They would just rent out like Santa Monica Civic, and that was like the biggest gig you could get. It's like thirty five hundred people. Oh shit! So, yeah, so that was a really good gig. You know, like Misfits played Black Flag there for one of their biggest shows. You know, and that was really cool. That is cool. It's not like it's not like you could go in every in, in every city or every state where there's going to be a certain amount of like old movie theaters or old you know vaudeville theaters, and that's what Danzig played. We played all those things, which was great. But back in you know the Sam Hain days, Misfit days, you couldn't play those kind of places because you would kill them off. You know, right, right. Now, did you guys with Sam Hain? Did you all ever play in Vegas? Maybe. I don't think so. Yeah, it could be. I mean, sometimes we had shows booked that got canceled, or you'd show up and it, it would, it would, the cops would close the show or whatever. Oh, sure. But yeah. I, think, I don't think so. But we, I know we played early with Danzig, so I don't think we played Sam Hain. That's what I was about to say. I'd say anything you all probably missed with Sam Hain, you probably made up big time with Danzig. Well, um, it was also, you know, then it was, it was the music was being more. Was like no, these guys are like you know they would say heavy metal or whatever. So that was wasn't as bad as saying yeah they're a punk band you know. <laughs> so you know you couldn't say oh they were just they're a rock band a hard rock band you know at that particular time there was a bunch of bands that were just playing kind of like bluesy rock you know like Circus of Power and you know bands like that. Oh you know, yeah, 
you know, a lot of tattoos, a lot of guys from New York, you know, things like that. And, you know, so it wasn't as threatening, you know, because the Ramones had already been out. Right. They were pretty much a rock band. They weren't really any a punk band anymore. Right. So, Sam Hain, you've got the November Coming Fire. That's you all did the tour, did some touring for that, and then then you're working on the the next Sam Hain record, and then that eventually. If I remember the last time we talked, that that's what. And and again, I don't want to you know make sure I get this right, but that's what eventually became the first Danzig album. I think you told me. Okay. Yeah, we had like six demos, and we were working on them, and that's then we had that. Glenn called and told me we had this chance to play the Ritz again for his like he's, it was like a showcase it's kind of like South by Southwest um, it was like a it was called the New Music Seminar okay so they'd have they'd, they'd have the Ritz and it'd be like a weekend or maybe just even one day I can't remember but there'd be like six bands and they were all supposed to be like up and comers or right at the same level you know and then record companies would send people to to watch bands and then report back or whatever so that's when Rick Rubin and George Aculius were in the, in the audience probably George or any heavy metal Scott from the from Def Jam probably would have said hey, right. check these guys out they're great singer from the Misfits you know, set, you know so then you know he was impressed and then um, we did the one recording for uh, Less Than Zero and then just started working on on the new stuff, you know, after we um, did guitar player auditions and things like that, you know, and that was it. But we had those six songs that we already recorded, and there's nothing happened to them. And you know, eventually, Glenn was just like, "Yeah, we should finish up that record, still to put it out, you know, just to do, just to close that chapter, you know." So that's what we wound up doing. But some of the, you know, some of the good songs wound up being on uh, the first dancing record, like Twisted Cane and Possession. I don't know if there was anything else. Oh, yeah, we did an album song, Trouble. We recorded that on every every dancing session that ever came out. <laughs> it came out as like, an, you know, an, on a B-side or maybe a, on a Lost Tracks CD or something. Never made the album. Recorded it every time. That's wild. Give me one. Everybody says that. Okay, perfect. Now we're good. Um, so... Did Chuck or did John come into that first with you and Glenn? Yeah, John showed up first. Okay. He got the, because we still were using London as a drummer, and he got John the audition because his dad knew John's dad, and it was like, my son's in a band. They're looking for a guitar player. Oh, my son plays guitar. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, you know, so he <laughs> drove up to was like four or five hours from Baltimore to audition, and he was like the last guy. And he's the one who got the job, and then, then we were, <laughs> then we were like, now we got this killer guitar player. What are we gonna do? We need a better drummer. You know? Right. Then we got Chuck Biscuits, and that was all she wrote. You know, so that classic lineup is the shit. I, I, and I'm, I'm not knocking anything, and I think I told you this a few years ago. I'm not knocking the stuff Glenn does now, but I'm telling you, there's something so special about that original band with you and yeah, Glenn. And John and Chuck, it is the shit. I'm so fortunate to have seen first tour, second tour, third tour, and then, if I'm not mistaken, by album four, was it just you, John, and Glenn? Is that not right? Yeah, Chuck left after that Metallica tour we did. Right, right. Um, I'll tell you one of my favorite tours that I saw you guys do 
also was uh, opening for Sabbath with Dio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We did like two weeks with them. Yep. That's like we. That's like one of the only bands we opened up for besides Slayer, Metallica, <laughs> Sabbath, and what else? We one other band we opened up for, I think. I don't know, but it was yeah. That was pretty good company to open up. Oh for. my god, it's incredible. And that was fine. It was just it was like Glenn and Chuck didn't want to do it. Me and John thought it would be a good opportunity. Plus, we get to hear Sabbath every night. Fucking a, you know. And it was it more we we sort we're gonna reach Sabbath's audience because they're gonna love us and they did and it was just like is this this is an opportunity to expand our fan base more people buying the records sure absolutely you want to keep moving up so we did it I thought it was like too big of a rock star thing I think Uh, (laughs) I was just like "Uh, I don't want to open for Sabbath or nothing you know it's that kind of stuff you know anymore you know without Ozzy I guess sure. um, yeah, but it was cool. Yeah, I remember doing those. Those were like uh, sheds or something. You know? Another tour that I remember, um, it was you guys were headlining. Uh, Godflesh and Typo Negative were the support bands. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was another like 30 days. That's it. You oh, know? my yeah. God. That was a fucking awesome bill, man. Yeah, typo was phenomenal. Like every night, it was great. But I, I, I still kicked myself because I didn't, I didn't bring my camera on that tour because I just, I wasn't in a good mood. And I uh-huh. just didn't give a shit. And I, you know, I got to be friends with them, and um, you know, I, I thought they were great. And uh, Pete, Pete was a great singer. And a oh great yeah, guy. such a great and guy. I just, I just, uh, I just didn't bring the camera. I was like, why didn't I bring the camera? You know, I could have shot them every night if I wanted to. Right. You know. But yeah, that was a good bill. I mean, that the only one I could say was better than that would be the Soundgarden Corrosion of Conformity bill from like 1990. That was amazing. I don't know that I got to see that. And I don't think that was anywhere near me. I remember the tour, but I don't yeah. think. And that's pre me, right at me driving and not right before driving. So I'm like 15, 16 that era. I don't remember. Yeah, I bet that was a hell of a tour. Um, yeah, see, I don't remember exactly where we went on that tour, and it wasn't very long. Uh, I know we played like St. Louis, we played Minneapolis, we probably yeah we played Chicago. We almost always did Chicago, Detroit. You know, like we play Harpo's in Detroit, which is always awesome. Oh yeah, um, and we play some theater in Chicago, and yeah, we probably didn't go very far. You know, uh, like probably never made it to Florida. I don't know. You know, if, if we did, but maybe. I mean, it, maybe I just couldn't have went. Maybe my friends went, and I just didn't get to see that because I remember you yeah, touring with them. Some, it's always something like that. You know, like nobody I know is going, or I can't get there on my own. Right. Now that was. I'm trying to think. Now, how the gods kill? I remember y'all did a shitload of touring for that. Yeah, that was like the longest we toured, and we should have been touring like. For like a year for every record, you know, like other bands were, were touring for like two years on a record. Typo Negative did that. White Zombie did that. Even fucking Bruce Springsteen was doing like two years <laughs> year tours, and we would tour for like six weeks. And Glenn would want to go home, right? You know, and, and and the tour manager and all the guys who are all the road dogs have been, you know, through all this stuff. He's like, dude, you guys don't play enough, you know, like you don't tour enough. You just start making money, and then you you quit. Right. I mean, then you when you, then you'd have to start up all over again. Like 
next month or the month after or whatever. And you got all the recording, all the startup costs, you know. And so the longer you stay on the road, the, the more you can, can stay on the road because you start to make money. You know? Right. So we never did that. <laughs> the tour managers would say, you guys tour like your Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know. I, it's like it's not my fault, you know. I'm just the bass player. What do you want? You know. Now the, I the my cats. <laughs> that tour, I think Caius opened for you guys when I saw you. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, and then middle on the bill. I think they opened the bill first on the bill. Can't remember who. Yeah, there was somebody else on them, and I can't remember for the life of me right now who the fuck it was. This is good though. I'm glad to see that people are still like crazy about that. You know, they still. Oh, Caius. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like because I, you know, I had no idea they were just such young kids. Didn't know that they were gonna even do anything, or like they were gonna offshoot into other bands and do something. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea, and our sound man actually was was doing sound for them because they didn't have sound guy. Oh wow! And so our sound man was so cool, and he had nothing to do with that time. So we said, like, "Bro, is it okay if I uh, mix sound for these guys?" I'm like, "Yeah, don't make them sound too good, though." <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he, he did that, and um, and I'm sure they sounded great. I can't remember; it was just it's it's too long ago. But um, yeah, that was a good tour. You know, and the White Zombie tour was great too. And they yeah. played with us. They, they started with us in Europe, and they did like most of the Europe tour, which is like two months. That's wild. And then, we, then they did like three weeks in America when we came back, and then they went to Pantera after that. You know, I remember that tour. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, one. yeah. And that's what that's when they were staying on the road for like two years. Because that first record, well, that the, you know the Thunder Kiss record. Um, like their third record I guess by then yeah hadn't, hadn't really sold anything it was like sold like 100,000 copies so they were staying on the road to try to sell records and then they then all of a sudden Beavis and Butthead said they like White Zombie and the records just started selling like yeah it's crazy. nuclear yeah it was great I've got to ask you this. So I remember watching and I may have asked you this before but I, I just thought this was so fucking funny so there was Headbangers Ball I'm pretty sure it was you guys in Europe touring How the Gods Kill, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And then Ricky Rackman's like following you all around. Yeah, no, we did um, contests. They wanted a, they wanted a contest. You had to uh, send in a postcard or say like why you wanted to go see bands in Europe or whatever. And they would just they just did a contest. So they, they some, some one some one guy won. He sent in one postcard, um, and he brought his friend. And that was the whole thing. So we had already had a relationship with Ricky Rackman because we lived in Hollywood back then. Right. And he had a club, and he he loved the band, and we played his birthday party one. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it was us in Body Count and somebody else I can't remember. <laughs> but it was when Body Count just started. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It was just crazy. Um, but yeah, so we already had a relationship with him, and we're, you know, we're both, from, me and Glenn are from Jersey. We just bust balls. That's just a normal thing. If we don't like you, then, you know, if, if we like you, then we bust your balls. If we don't like you, then we don't talk. You know, so that's why you see those interviews with Glenn where he doesn't say nothing. Because <laughs> he's just, he, he's like, he, you know, I'm just going, yeah, he hates this guy. Whoever this is, he hates this guy. You know, or he hates this chick. He doesn't like this chick. He's not talking, he's, he, you know, he's a flirt winner or nothing, you know. But yeah, that's just the way it was. So we had a lot of fun with that. I've 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 seen that somebody will post it somewhere. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I see, but I've got all the back 
I got camera footage from my camera from all of that shit. I bet that was awesome. Oh, oh yeah, that stuff's great. That's hilarious. Now I remember. Well, the reason that I remember thinking it was funny because there would be like shots, and I and it's funny that now that you mention that, I remember any time Glenn would be interviewed, you could tell when he. It's like he would hardly say anything, and I would be like, "Is he mad? Is he?" <laughs> wasn't in a good mood. A lot of times I would go do those interviews with him or he would say, come do this interview with me or I got this interview, do you want to do it? I'm like, you want me to do, You want me to be there? So a lot of times I would go, a lot of times I won't. So then I, I'd be like, I'd see the interview, I'm like, I should have went, you know, or whatever, or I could read the interview, you know, right. the paper and I'm like, yeah, he wasn't in a good mood that day. That's so funny. Yeah. I've got to ask I, you. I always, I always relaxed him. Because he knew that I'd always be there, and then, he, you know, if the interviewer was clueless, then I would throw in some stuff, or I'd make, you know, I would be play the guy who busted the balls, and Glenn wouldn't have to, you know, what I mean? <laughs> so then it could be my fault or whatever, you know. But he would also tell me, like, when the cameras were up, he's like, "Yeah, bust his balls, bust his balls, you know, say something, <laughs> say, say something about his hair, you know, or whatever." You know? <laughs> Stuff like that. So, anytime I had the chance, I would definitely do that, and just just to have fun and 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 cr- crack Glenn up. You know, it was fun. That's so awesome. Yeah, because we did that anyway. So, you know, those first the the I remember getting the first the VHS the Danzig home video thing. Oh yeah, dude. I've still got because those aren't on. Damn, I don't have them on like any other format. Like I've still got a VCR to watch those. Like it's like those are so fucking good, man. I thought he put those out on DVD. He may have, and I missed the boat on that or something. He may, everyone yeah, may I'm have. Sure but. He, he compiled all those on something. I don't have them, but there's one out or two out or something that has that stuff. Yeah, that was fun. I got all the backstage and behind the scenes shit of that too. It's great. Like when we're building the big cost for it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. We're I'll, doing like we're doing like jokes and stuff. <laughs> We're putting John on the cross. And <laughs> yeah, it's the the those home videos, man. They're the the second one's great too. I love the second Danzig album. I think is so fantastic. I love that record. Yeah, it's a good record. Um, but I remember getting that too, and the um, watching those with a friend of mine, and we were both in. Uh, we just started uh, high school. And we would get together on the weekends and watch both the videotapes. That's like what we would do. That was like our thing to get together and watch those. Because I always thought it was so funny because Glenn's like, welcome to my book collection. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. That's the same thing we do. We get together and listen to records. You know, it's, it's somebody's got, you know, this new record you got to hear or whatever. So we did the same stuff, you know. It's incredible. So, I don't think there anybody was putting out home videos back then, but. Yeah, I could see that. Everybody get together and watch this new fucking stuff you can't see on MTV. No. Yeah, man, it was it was cool. And I, man, Headbangers Ball was so great back then because it would give you. I mean, there's a lot of crap on there too, but it was still cool because you know I could see Danzig videos and then I could also see Cannibal Corpse videos because I was really into like death metal stuff. I could see all this cool stuff. I mean, there was some there was there was other stuff that I didn't want to see, but it was you know whatever. You know, it's like a buffet. I don't have to eat it or buy it. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, there was there was some. You know, it was good for what it was, you know, when it was good. Um, but a lot of the times it'd be like, you know, some of the bands that were going to play on Headbangers Ball were heavy bands, but they wound up being popular, you know, so they would play them all day long. Sure. And, you know, Saturday night, they would still play Soundgarden or whatever, you know. Right. Like, you know, come on. 
was really funny. Now, did you for the for the for the first album, the tour cycle? I'm a, was it was it real bad or was it was, was I guess it was a lot compared to you guys if y'all weren't doing a lot of touring. Well, I mean, well, you've done touring, obviously, tons never, of it, but well, I never you know got on a tour bus before, so that was that was cool. Uh, we were still playing some small clubs. Um, and we played some theaters, you know, but we had a, we definitely had a, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this was, you know, Glenn from the Misfits, nobody cared, you know, so we had to start start all over again. Right. And, you know, prove that we could bring people in and sell places out and stuff. So, yeah, but we still didn't tour as much as we we should have. It's just that, you know, Glenn didn't want to play that much or, you know, he used to go so crazy and, you know, scream his head off that, you know, maybe he couldn't do more than, like, a couple shows in a row, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, that, that was it. And, you know, so, the, the tours were okay. Like I said, we didn't, do, we didn't tour as much as we should have until, like, the end. I think it was local bands I saw with you all when I fir- the first, on the first tour. Yeah, it's always good to have at least a one local band on the on the bill. Do you remember who the? I don't even remember who the support was. If there was a direct support, I don't even remember who the fuck it was. No, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to see, you know, flyers or whatever. I I, I really can't remember. I honestly, if there was, I don't, I don't remember. And then by the second album, God, who was with you all on that tour? Because the second we had we had trouble on the second. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that, which was awesome. I, I and I, I had never they heard were, them before. Guys. Yeah, yeah that, I, was, that was fun. They, they all had like platform shoes and like they're all seventies. Yeah, the Robert Plant stuff. Yeah, just total black Sabbath. You know, so it was. I liked it. They were all good guys and stuff. So I used to watch them, and I used. To you guys were label mates too, I think, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were on. Uh, um, I don't know if it was deaf, deaf American then or American. I can't remember, but yeah, they um, they were cool and uh, just regular guys like to play and stuff, like to get drunk, whatever. So I would give them like we'd always have two cases of beer, you know, for me and Chuck. And Chuck could only drink one case of beer, and I probably didn't drink any. So I would we'd have like five or six cases in the in the bay of the bus. So when those guys had like a long drive, I might give them a case of beer or <laughs> one of my bottles of Jack or something, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, they were cool guys. I liked them. I can't remember everybody else on that tour, but yeah, that's that's who I remember. I'm I'm like you. I don't remember. I guess I shouldn't, yeah. but trouble. God, who else was on that damn? I wish I could remember who it was. If there was a support band on the first, I'm sure there was. I just don't remember. Who yeah, the band. there. You know, some, sometimes usually a band would just get like one leg in the tour, which would be like, you know, a month. Right. And then, it, you know, then the next leg would be two other opening bands, you know. Like, typo, the best thing about Typo Negative was, <laughs> like, um, th- uh, I would, I remember this one time distinctly, we're, we're sitting in the dressing room waiting for the, you know, doing their show. I'm popping in and out, watching them and stuff. I come back in. And they're playing, you know, they're going through one of those songs that has, has sounds like a medley, you know, comes yeah. back to the beat. But in the middle, there's two different songs, and then it comes back to the end. <laughs> yeah. The beginning again. So anyway, I'm standing there, and Glenn goes, didn't they just play this song? Because <laughs> they were going back, you know, to the beginning of the song. And, and, I, and I said, I said, you know what? They've only got like three songs. They just keep playing them over and over again. I said, didn't you check these guys out before you said they could come on tour with us? And he got all mad, like he was getting all angry, like, 
he's like, he's going to check. What are we paying these guys? Like what are we paying these guys? They only got like three songs. You know, they're like, they're all like 20 minutes long, you know, stuff like that. And he, he just totally believed me, you know, it was, it was really Oh cool. God, that's funny. Yeah, that was great. And then so, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just used to mess with, with Pete all the time. Did you? He, oh yeah, because everybody was afraid of him. And he wasn't like super big like he got later. He was kind of tall and like more like lurchy. You know, yeah. The Adams family. He wasn't really big, but he was tall and scary. And people would just, they would they would walk on eggshells around him and stuff. And I used to just bust his balls. Let's go right up to him and fuck with him, you know. And he, he could have killed me if he wanted to, but he liked that I did that. And uh, he couldn't figure me out from what my uh, ex-girlfriend told me because she knew him. He doesn't know what to do with you. Um, that is hilarious. And it, yeah, it was really, really funny. And um, yeah, and I would see those guys afterwards too. Whenever I, they were in, playing in town, and they were always great. Oh God, was, such a good band, man! They they were so oh, yeah. Everybody in the band was great, and it's just it just it was really. I mean, they kind of lost me after a couple of records, but the show was always great. You know, the fans. Were he was hilarious on stage too. Good God, you yeah. never knew what you'd get. Um, oh sure, and he just bust out in like cover songs and things. Yeah, and he just had the greatest sense of humor. Nobody knew what to make of it because they weren't sure if he was serious or not. And he could just turn on you, and he'd probably just be kidding. You know, he's just kidding. Let's see what happens. You know that kind of shit. They went into a Pink Floyd medley. Um, one of the times I saw them in Halloween, doing stuff from the wall. They were doing like I think some of the Thin Ice or whatever. <laughs> And the people in the crowd had no idea what the hell it was. Like you'd have like a handful of people that knew what the hell they were playing, right. and the rest of them. And then they were, and he'd come up to the mic, and he's just like, he'd just start like laughing, and then they just cut into a, a typo song. And and I loved him. And every time you, I saw them, you never knew what you were going to get. And it was, yeah. it was wild. I, I, on Halloween once, I got to see them all come out. This is no joke. They came out to the music from the film, and were all dressed in the Clockwork Orange garb. Yeah, I see pictures of them all dressed in drag. I wonder if they did a show. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> that, sound, that sounds hysterical. I wish I could have seen that. The clockwork thing was badass. They were all dressed in the hats and the, the white with yeah. the suspenders, and it was it was really cool. Yeah, um, I did that once. My band opened up for the missions, and I dressed like that. I did you? That. Oh, yeah. And, Incredible. And I was like, I was the only guy in the whole place in white. <laughs> that's the way I wanted it. I was just like, you missed the show. Everybody's going to be wearing black. I'm going to wear white. That's incredible. So that would have been cool to see them. And I mean, I remember Pete just doing the, like the first verse, a verse in a chorus of like Light My Fire just hit yeah. me. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. Um, they did like the best Sabbath covers, you know. Oh, just, yeah. It was great. And, he, and he, I was just like, where do you come up with this stuff? He's like, I just played a Beatles records at like, you know, 78 speed or whatever slows, whatever slows speed you can do. <laughs> the best quote that I ever, and I'll take this to me with my grave, that I ever read with him in an interview that he did for like, I don't even remember. It was, I think it was like a musician's magazine, like a bass player magazine or something like that. And he said that he likes to hit his fans over the head with a fur-covered sledgehammer. <laughs> and I, to this day, think that's one of the coolest quotes I ever read from him. Uh, yeah, you can decide what it means. You know? Yeah, it was wild. And then I was going to say, 
um, Johnny, I guess, plays with Glenn. I don't know if he still does, but I, I think he did or does. Yeah, he, he's like Glenn's go-to drummer or whatever he, he needs him. Uh, I think he just does. Um, I, I don't know if Glenn's doing any tour, but he's just he's playing one-off shows. And sure. So he'll come in, but right now I think Johnny's playing with uh, Quiet Riot. Really? Wild. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm, I think they're on tour right now. You know? That's crazy. Um, so either, yeah, he'll most likely, he probably, I think Glenn's doing a show somewhere um, this month or next month or something. I'm not really sure. Uh-huh. But, um, so he'll probably do that gig. I can't see him, you know, he played with Glenn for a couple of years now, so sure. I can't see him not doing that one show. That would kind of screw up everything. You can't just have, you know, I mean, you maybe could have some drummer just sit in, just get some on studio guy, but... Right. Were you ever friends yeah, with? That was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's very cool. Were you ever friends with Josh, the keyboard player? Well, you know, whenever I saw them, like we hung out, um, you know, talking just like you would normally. But he wasn't the kind of guy that you could get to know right. if you weren't if you weren't around all the time. And right. he's probably hard to get to know even then. Sure. So he was very quiet. Um, you know, uh, just. Here and there, I mostly uh, talk to Pete, you know. Right. And uh, like the rest of the guys in the band, pretty much deferred to him all the time. So, you know, they weren't always around. Johnny's always very even keel. Sure. You know, very good, very nice for a drummer. He's more like a bass player kind of thing. Right. It's just like you don't talk; you stand in the back, you know. <laughs> um, and, but like most drummers want to rock the boat. He's very, very even tempered you know so oh yeah that's really good of course you'd have to be being in that band and it's also good he goes from Pete Steele to Glenn I'm like Jesus Christ what a glutton for punishment oh lord yeah Josh is a paramedic now he added me on Facebook a few years ago and apparently he does no I don't think he even does anything with music anymore but yeah well he, he might be writing some sort of symphonies you never know you never know um, yeah yeah, a lot of people just do stuff for themselves and, you know, never have to, you know, I mean, Jesus, you don't have to go out and play after all the touring and records they made stuff. So. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Well, that's nice. That means he, you know, he wants to do something, wants to help people. That's it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, I always thought that was neat, the, the Godflesh tour with, with, with Typo, because I was like, because Typo, great band, and then, and then I love Godflesh. That was fun, too, to see them. Um, yeah, we always tried to bring bands that were like maybe weren't going to get a chance or were definitely up and coming and we wanted them or we wanted to expose them to other people that was usually you know Glenn's thinking like get these bands or somebody nobody's going to hear these guys so we'll put them on tour you know or these guys are the next big thing or you know whatever sure sure that's why we had that's why we had Manson and, and Korn you know and then you get yeah man I've, y'all y'all really had them before they were ever anything I mean yeah they hadn't Manson hadn't even recorded the record that made them like you know break out yeah they did it on that tour they were recording like in a tour that's place. wild and in hotels and shit but yeah and then Korn just like blew up like crazy I mean, seriously, because I remember seeing that tour, and I was like, I wasn't familiar with either one of them. And then, literally, like, it wasn't even that long after, those guys were, both those bands were huge. Yeah, that was a, that was a real neat time for Manson and stuff, because we could tell that they were, they had, 
you know, they had a thing, they had a hook that they were, if they played their cards right, they were going to do good. And right. of course they did, you know. And Corn, I didn't, I didn't really uh, know much about them. I didn't really care, you know. But they went. And there was a whole big audience waiting for them too. Oh yeah, that stuff. I mean, both those, both of them, and I. I remember that, and that just being like this huge thing because that, that tour, um, and I love that fourth album. I think there's some really good songs on it. Um, oh yeah. Um, going down to die. I like. I think that one's. I like that track. Um, yeah, I like the whole record. It's, oh, it's so good. It's, it's different, and I kept telling people for the last twenty something years that they, you know, they hadn't really given it a fair shake. They were like, "Oh, it doesn't sound like the last one. It wasn't supposed to. It's supposed to." at the time it was more like a Sam Hain kind of vibe in a lot of the songs and I was like if you listen to it like it's the last Sam Hain record going out to the first Danzig record then it makes total sense absolutely I, I like that record a lot um, yeah, I love the everybody says that to me and they're like yeah I like it because it's got that Sam Hain vibe I'm like oh really I never thought of that <laughs> yeah. I love the one photo where you're all in the coffins yeah, and then funny. and then you're gone. There's the other shot in, in the booklet where they're. It's like you've escaped the coffins. Oh, I don't even remember that. I just, oh, I dude, know. I was like, it, I bought like the special edition CD, and I remember having that. And I remember shooting my brother. It's like, man, that's fucking cool as shit. It's like you got. It's like, it's like they caught the Danzig band, you know. And it's like, and then the other one's like you've escaped, and it's like it. It's oh, it's so fucking rad. I remember just being like, I thought it was so cool. So, and I love that. I think Glenn thought the, uh, the government was after us. It was his thing. And then, and then, the, and then the, Jerry did it with the Misfits, like, on a, on a record, like, a couple of years after that. That's wild. But I remember, now, as far as Chuck leaving, was that, did he just not want to do it anymore, or how did that? Yeah, well, he's got, he had his own reasons that I can understand. But he'd never been in a band except for DOA for more than like a year or two. Right, know? right. So we were the we were the band he was in the longest, and I was surprised he was in the band that long because he just gets you know okay I've done this you know I want to go do something else and that's just the way he got you know he is or he was bored or he wasn't making enough money or who knows you know it's I always you know you have to go and ask people well what, what are you thinking or whatever right. I don't even remember. I just knew he was tired, didn't want to do it anymore. Right. So when you know how Chuck is, you just go, all right, you know, let me know if you want to come back here. It's kind of like one of your friends going, oh, I don't want to hang out anymore. I'm like, oh, well, we'll be here. You right, know, we'll be around. <laughs> you want to come back, you know, you know, that kind of thing, you know. But, uh, yeah. For you looking back on that, now that was... So then, was it was it John next or you next or how did that fall? After well, me and John quit at the same time. Okay. We, okay. We we had we had a tour and it was going South America. It was going to be the last couple of dates. Uh -huh. And that was in like I don't know. All I remember is John said he he officially quit on Fourth of July because it was Independence Day. So we the tour was probably a month or so before that. Okay. That it was done. So I just. You know, I, I called up Glenn, you know, around that time or whatever, and I was quick too, you know, so that was it. But John wanted to quit the band from like day one, you know, so it's like, you know, I wasn't surprised, you know. Yeah, he, I never, um, it was, 
it's what I'm telling you. There's something magical, and like I said, I'm I'm not knocking anything after the fact, but I'm telling you, there's something magical about those first four albums, man. I'm telling you, it's it's uh, yeah. You gotta have differences of, of opinion. That's why you know you you gotta have four or five guys and and the like push and pull and all the things and what happens in bands like a relationship. That's what makes the music happen. You know, like look at the look at the Doors. Those guys weren't alike at all like two of the guys were alike right one of the guys was totally not and then there was a nut, nut job in the band you know so you put that all together because they made records after jim morrison and sure they sound nothing like the doors right so, <laughs> yeah if you take out you take out an element you know of any band or whatever and that changes the whole dynamic so that's what i felt like when chuck left the band i was like well that's it you know that's it then we, you know, it's run its course. Writing's so on the wall. Everybody moves on to something else, you know. So, and then you, your, your solo album, man, that first one, I was like, that's still, I, I love that record. Which one was that? Um, God, what is the name of that damn thing? Well, the instrumental one. Yes. Yeah, the uneasy listen. Good God, it's great. Yeah, it was fun. Me and a friend of mine from the studio, we used to rehearse at Jersey, you know, did that, you know, I've got, I've got, this will be my sixth one when this one comes out, so. Oh, wow. You, do you, as far as like, looking back, if you look back at just the four Danzig records, do you have a favorite of the four? kind of goes back and forth from Lucia Fuge to like how the gods killed but I like the 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 um the second one the third one and the fourth one the most like the the, the EP I don't really like I don't know I heard a track a live track from that but I don't remember what's on there and I haven't heard any studio stuff that was okay but I don't really like the first record um so I you know I like the set probably Lucia Fuge the most but sometimes I say how the gods killed because the band was super tight and it was a really good time. We were like, up the, you know, up and coming band and all this shit. So that was a good time in the band. But I really like Lucid It's more like the way I like the band sound. That album is little, so good. <laughs> spooky, you know, and bluesy and still a little heavy, you know. So. I was, I, I think I told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again, this was the weirdest thing. So, the literally we went and got my friend uh, Mark and I went and got the album when it came out the Lucifuge we got it on cassette and I got the vinyl and we were listening to the cassette in a friend of ours that could drive because he and I he and I weren't old enough to drive or maybe he was but for whatever reason we're riding with this other guy I've been in four car accidents with that album playing (laughs) but never driving oh that's good in like a period of like 10 years. The last one was in like 2001. I don't know what the deal is with Lucifuge playing and I'm a passenger in a car. <laughs> it's just... I, I And I love that. That's my favorite Danzig album. And I, it's the weirdest thing though. That's a true story. Like, I don't know why. Like, literally when that bought, bought that thing the second it came out and like a few months late, right before we went back to school, car accident. I'm not driving. Another car accident about two years after that. I don't know what the deal is with that record and me in a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that'll, that'll teach you to listen to that. Sake, music. 
it's just funny because that's that's, it. that's your problem, my dear. God's punishing you. <laughs> That's right. That's why. That's why Jerry did Christ the Conqueror after the Misfits. He had to atone for his sins. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was done. And then enough time had gone by, and then he could be back in the band again. You know. And now he has to atone for that. You know. So. Killer Wolf off that album. Yeah, I like that one. Oh my God, that video's awesome. Uh, I watched oh, that. I hated the video. The video's so stupid. It's fun though, because you guys are just kind of like hanging out. It's a. I mean, I loved it as a fan. <laughs> and it's just like everybody goes, "Oh, you guys did that because MTV wouldn't play your video, so you just did that in like protest, didn't you?" I'm like, "No, you know, we just we just went up to this cabin in the middle of nowhere and like sat around all day, and while while they filmed us or took." still photos or whatever so we're sitting there because we're bored out of our minds you know <laughs> you know it's just like i don't think i had any booze with me you know it would have been otherwise i would have been like yeah we're not gonna do anything i'm just gonna drink you know man that that one I, but yeah all the videos and i love the layout the where it turns into an upside down cross when you lay out the cd booklet i thought that was awesome and the yeah it doesn't do that anymore Really? Somebody, somebody brought me one to sign. I was in Nashville working on this new record, right? Some guy said, this guy that you met the other day, he was a big fan and he didn't want to ask you. So this other guy, I was doing a podcast that day, said, I, I he went out and bought a record and he bought one of the right ones, right? And he and it was Lucifer's and we looked at it. It doesn't fold up, out to a cross anymore. It just goes straight me. down. <laughs> I... I still have out of the order form in from that album. I still have my uh, uh, upside down cross with the Danzig logo. I've still got that damn thing. I'm actually just think it's really cool. I've, that, that's my favorite piece of Danzig memorabilia. I've still got. I've still got that thing, and it's actually bigger. Did you ever see it? It's actually really cool. <laughs> to, crosses the little crosses and the, and the, we had the dagger but I don't remember I don't think the dagger was was for sale yeah I don't think I could buy well, man but I bought that thing and it took like forever to come in the mail I remember it came in the mail and like my mom just hilarious because my mom was completely just like well do whatever makes you happy there you know it comes in it's just like this is awesome it's my Danzig stuff <laughs> it's like this upside down cross with a Danzig and I remember wearing it to school and they uh tried to suspend me over it and then um my uncle came in and was like "Eh, it's freedom of speech can't really get him on that so they actually just left me alone about it hey freedom that could be a freedom of religion exactly you know yeah this is what i believe in yeah i know we all got the same grief 30 years about like where whatever we were wearing i was since i was making t-shirts i could make shirts that said anything on it or did anything (laughs) And so we get in trouble for that, or I would screen print something and hang it up on the, you know, the the assemb- the board where everybody went to see what was going on in school. We used to screen print right on the cork boards and stuff, you know. It's hilarious. You know, teachers would give me shit about that. Doyle got suspended or put in uh, uh, detention a million times for dyeing his hair different colors or wearing, <laughs> wearing some punk rock swastika shirt or something that's know? great so, yeah that happens that happened to us too so that's right yeah but yeah i remember and then man when danzig 3 came out oh man you had the all the the geiger stuff i always thought that was really cool um <coughs> yeah 
yeah, Glenn's really into artists, and you know, because he's the big comic guy, so he was like, you know, loved him, and everybody loves the alien stuff. So, oh yeah, like, I want to use this, and he wouldn't do a new one for us. He only he only did the skull that we he added to it, but we um, we had to license the artwork. But he was a cool guy. We got to meet him. Oh, was he nice? Yeah, he's he's very cool. Typical like spooky artist, you know. Didn't say a whole lot, but. You know, he was he was cool to us. He he let us come into his uh, gallery showing uh, before it was open, so we just got to go and spend as much time as we wanted and hang out with him. And he signed uh, he signed my record, and um, I've got a set of tarot cards signed by him, and I got a poster from one gallery opening from like twenty years ago or whatever. So wow! Shit. Yeah. So this was was is he he was. Switzerland, is that right? Yeah, I think he's Swiss, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you got to go to the gallery that he has there in Switzerland. That's incredible. Yeah, I don't know. It might. If, I don't know if it's the permanent one or... It might Zurich, be. maybe? It's somewhere weird. I don't know. I can't at remember. The time, at the time, he was going to open a restaurant or a, or like a nightclub or bar, you know, something like that. Right. So all the furniture and shit he had made or designed, and he had all that stuff there. So I think this was... a. Wasn't a permanent exhibit, but there there's one now. But yeah, we got to see all the stuff that went into the nightclub or whatever it was. It was really cool stuff. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Oh, yeah, seen all the seen all the paintings and the stuff that you've only seen in pictures or on records or whatever. Like up close, it was really cool. Now, were you and Glenn fans of Alien? Like, so doing that was that like a? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Come on. It's like the coolest thing. Have you seen the train that looks like an alien? Uh-uh. I just saw it. Um, I saw a picture of it, like, last week. It's a fucking, like, bullet train that looks like the, the front is, like, the alien face, and it even has, like, a sort of, like, a cow catcher thing that's coming out of the mouth. Like, you know, oh, my God. That's train. awesome. Yeah. I saw it. It was on Facebook or something. I'm going to have to find that. That's that's yeah. incredible. If you find it's it, send like, it to me. I, That'd I, be cool. Type in, like, alien train. It'll probably come up. That's nuts. Yeah, that's cool. I, it's funny. I remember because um, all my friends like the second movie. I've, I, I mean, the second movie's good. You know, it's like the the Space Marines and all that. Um, and then after that, it just seems like they just kind of go down. Like three, I didn't like. Four, I didn't like. It's just, <laughs> it's like they don't really need much after the first one or the first two, even. Right. You know the whole the whole alien you know concept and all the drawings and all the stuff. It's just so cool. Oh, it's yeah, it's really cool. You know, Marvel now that Disney bought Fox, they own that, so they they've put out a, a comic line right now. This Alien book, it's actually really good. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's cool. yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's pretty graphic, actually. I was really surprised, but I um, mean, it's it's pretty neat because they were always like dark horse comics for like years, and now that they've they own Fox, so they can put their stuff out through Marvel. It's pretty badass, though. The, that, that current book is pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just I just turned on something, and some guy getting hit in the face in a mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's holding a beer, and some guy's fucking wailing, and he just smacked him twice. Oh, my God. And the guy's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, you don't just hang out when there's people doing this stuff. You go to the outer rim of the, the crowd. Right. You know, he's standing against the barricade, and this guy bashes him without even knowing it. Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> I think the 
the craziest time. When did you guys do the shows with Slayer? What tour was that? Uh, that was the f- before, well, after Metall- the first Metallica tour, and then we hadn't done our own tour yet. So we did like five dates with them. That would have been, well, it would have been like 88, 89. Yeah, it's first album, right? Yeah, like, they, you know, and we did we did all the good cities with Slayer, which was awesome because if you get the chance, you got, you, you, it was like 10 major cities you got to play. That's a great tour. Oh, absolutely. Played, like, New York, Detroit, Chicago, L.A., something like that, you know. It was fucking awesome. I bet that was when y'all being label mates, too. I bet that was fun. Yeah, well, we didn't really hang out much because we were the upstarts and stuff like that. Oh, sure, sure. We're, we're the only, you know, other band on the label that, you know, played guitar, and we were all, like, spooky and shit. And, you know, I always liked Tom. I didn't, uh, the only other guy I knew a little bit was the drummer, Dave. And I didn't know the guitar players at all, and they weren't really like, say, hey, let's go get a beer, you know? So sure. um, we just caused some trouble on that tour and <laughs> got, got, got the hell out of there, you know? That's great. Now, the Metallica guys, did you like doing that? Was that fun? Oh, the first one was great. Um, and then we were friends. Well, we were friends before that. Um, so whenever those guys came to town, or uh, mostly me, always hung out with them. Um, but when we went on tour the first time in England or wherever, the Europe tour, yeah, it was great. That's all we did is get drunk and stuff and try to fuck shit up, you know? That's and amazing. That was, yeah, they weren't really big yet, you know, so we could still do stuff. But also, there were certain places that they were bigger than they were somewhere else. So you, if you walked around just going somewhere to eat or go to a bar or whatever, people would just follow you around, you know? Right. So that was kind of fun. So it was like, yo, so this is what you can expect, you know, when you get to this level. That's what I liked about being friends with them, because you could always see, because they were always moving up just a little bit, little by little. Right. So you could always see what was going to happen if we kept going the way we were going, you know, and they would, you know, give us advice or say like, oh, you need a good lawyer. Here's our lawyer's number. Or, you know, you should, you should get this guy to, or this company to do t-shirts or whatever. So... You know, that was pretty cool. And it was fun to see them get bigger and bigger, you know, and just go like, yeah, like I'd go out in the crowd and watch the show. And everybody would be freaking out. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to go backstage now and drink all their beer. Okay. <laughs> now, back then, now, were you friends with Cliff, James, all of them, Kirk, with Lars? Was it just. I was, uh, Cliff wasn't around as, you know, he he died by the time we got. Okay, I didn't know. I know he was now. a big fan. I knew he was a big fan of. Oh, yeah. No, I. I, I I talked to him a couple of times. So nice. Get, to get drunk or whatever, because that was Sam Hain back then. So sure, sure. We we weren't out and around like, um, and I got to be friends more with Kirk and James because those are the guys that liked the Misfits the most. And Lars was, you know, off on his own thing. He was okay, but we never like really hung out that much. But Kirk and James, we when they came to town. We we went out, you know. After, after, the, sh- after the show, we went out. You know, during the show, you know, I'd always be there, or whatever. And and if they came to town, like, and they weren't they weren't playing. Like James came into town, like just to hang out with his girlfriend or whatever, who lived in Jersey or Long Island or something. So he'd call me, and then we'd go do something. Right. You know. So that is so awesome. That was, that was fun. Yeah, that's really cool. I think. So you were talking about uh, a minute ago with the the kid bringing the the CD and it didn't have the upside down. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, you're are you working on new stuff now? Are you working on an album or? Yeah, yeah. I was. I lived in Nashville for almost ten years. Right. So off and on, I come up to Kentucky where I'm at now, and so right when we were leaving, and with the COVID thing, we sure. split Nashville, and everything went up in the air. Right before I left, a friend of mine um, said that he was instead of us trying to record in this guy's barn, it was too fucking hot. Nashville's real hot. Right. Um, that he was going to bring all the gear into his place and we could record there. So I, we had like a week to lay down all the basic stuff. And then I had to leave, you know. So then I had to come, go back down, you know, and stay for a weekend and work on the songs or go down and do vocals or whatever else. So I was there like a week or two ago and wanted to redo a couple of songs and that I just didn't like the vibe on. Sure. And... Um, so then it just got got like a real good basic track and then I just said alright well do you know anybody who plays harmonica you know I want maybe some harmonica and I can't play harmonica so I said if you can find somebody ask them if they want to play harmonica on this and he's like oh I can this guy who's you know plays uh, he's real, he's got a B3 you know have an organ right. he says, oh we want to put some of this on there I'm like oh yeah we'll put it uh, have the guy play on this song or that song so we're doing that and going back and forth and then when I get there he's like oh yeah this friend of mine you know he's working on some construction job he plays drums he wants to come in and play down a track so so we did he said well let's do this song with this guy so there's different people on it it's really cool and I was having a lot of fun you know and we're you know we're, we're using like real real microphones and stuff you know like when we used to record that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, so I was just like, it was it was a lot of fun because I like playing with a bunch of people rather than just sitting in your room and like laying down a drum beat and then playing a guitar part. Then you know, right? I mean, if if that's all you can do, that's fine, and you know, that's good for demos, I think. But I'd rather have a bunch of guys playing at the same time and then you know, like going, oh, well, what do you think of that take? I mean, you know, it was okay, but didn't really feel it the drummer goes like well I think I can do it better okay let's try it again you know right stuff like that so that's the most fun yeah so it's 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 gotta be mixed um, but it's you know, almost all the stuff is done I think I might have to do one more phone call or, or add another one but other than that it's, yeah it's I want to go down there and mix it but these guys are all they don't work regular jobs and stuff and or they're in like 10 bands you know things like that so you got to work around that. Sure. But it, it's, it's coming out. It's coming out really good. So I'm real happy. With awesome. It. That's fantastic. Yeah. And like I said, the painting stuff that you do, <clears throat> it's incredible. It really is. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Some of them are good. You know, <clears throat> I mean, Some of them are killer, man. I mean, I you, like you post that I'm stuff, like, and I'm like, damn, that's really cool. I always, you know, go like it. I'm just like, man, that's fucking cool. Like, it's always something. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I've done like four or five hundred of them in like twenty something years. So <laughs> I like about I like about ten percent, you know. Um, so I've also like tried to get back certain paintings that I've sold to people over the years, and, you know, or trade something. So I was like, yeah, you still got that painting? I was really like that that back, you know. And see, give either give them a different painting or you know trade them something. Right. And I've gotten a couple like that. And um, I've gotten uh, copies made. Like, you can get these canvas prints made. Really? hundred different places. Wow. And I got a couple made because they were, like, having a big sale. Usually, like, a canvas print can cost you up to, like, $150, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a lot so, of money. 
So I went, there was this one weekend, there was three different places having sales. So I just said, well, I want this one. I went back into my archives and found certain paintings that I wanted to have back. So I got them made. And then when they came, they were like, eh, it doesn't look good. So I went back and, re- and painted over them so they look like the originals. And, and, I, and I hang them up. And I'm like, wow, now I don't need the original back because this one I'm looking at right now. It's like one of my favorite paintings that Jerry Olney's ex-wife owns. Oh, really? And <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite ones. And I'm like, yeah, now I don't need the other one back. You know, so some of them I like, you know, but people seem to really dig them. I've got people who can't stop buying them. One guy's got 10 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to have to stop buying them now because I don't have any more room. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. So usually people, I I get people that buy the next one and the next one. They just like them, you know, so. Oh, man, it's, I mean, it's, uh. I am not artistic at all in that way, and I, it's always fascinated me. Uh, people that can paint and draw—it's—it's it's something I love yeah, to. A lot of people do it too. You'd be surprised how many musicians paint too. You know, a lot of them. It's just the other uh, uh, creative outlet, I guess. Because like some people, when they're—I know how it is for me. If you're not—if you're not like writing music or writing lyrics or recording, and you got to have some other outlet, so you so you paint. You know, so. It's very cool, man. I think it's awesome that you do that. Man, I can't thank you enough for sharing all the memories and coming back on for our five-year anniversary here on Phantasm. No problem. Happy anniversary. Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, this has been really cool, man. I I, I really really wanted to have you back on, Erie, and I'm so thankful you were able to do this, and it means the world to me as a fan. And I know our listeners... Everybody knows I'm, I like telling the stories. So. Oh, love listening to them, man. We love <laughs> listening to them. That stuff makes, you know, it was a real fun time, and I really enjoy it. So it's it's okay once in a while to do, you know. So I don't I don't mind it at all. You know? Well, we, it's an honor just to sit and talk with you again, man. You've been one of my heroes since I was a kid. I think I told you that last time, and it's awesome to get to catch up with you again and have you back on and... and uh, Good luck with the music and the painting and everything you have going on, man. It's so awesome to have you back on again. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I hope you like the new record. And if you don't, yeah, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, so that's cool. Like I said, I will talk to you sometime down the road. 